You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, a podcast devoted to story-driven games. Here's your host, Joe. Well, welcome to Bow Down to Us, the Lore Edition. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 15th of November. We are without Joe, which is why you are stuck with me and Vince. But that's all right. We'll make it through. We're actually going to bounce right into this one because we're actually running all over the damn place tonight. See, with Joe is like our rock. He is our anchor. This will get to him right now. His freaking head's going to swell the side of the watermelon. Um, so yeah, we're going to bounce right in and we're actually going to tackle Assassin's Creed because we've got a whole bunch of stuff going on with Assassin's Creed right now, which is super interesting. I'm actually going to let you tackle this one, Vince. Okay. First of all, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood comes out tomorrow. <laughs> so I, when the game was first announced, I honestly didn't really care. Like I didn't want to play Assassin's Creed 2 part two. I wanted to play Assassin's Creed three until I saw the E3 reveal. And uh, suddenly I, w- I was sold because here in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, as we see with the new launch trailer they've released, um, as we've touched on previously, the story is centering around Ezio, the main character from Assassin's Creed two and how at the beginning of the game, his family, uh, everything he's built up over the last several unknown amount of time months i think since assassin's creed 2 comes under attack uh the villa is completely destroyed poor old uncle mario goes gets killed it's it he's pissed and now he's going after the people who attacked him and come to realize it's not somebody he can take on alone so we see him joining up with a lot of the uh, characters he met in assassin's creed 2 as well as recruiting a bunch of of new people to his new brotherhood of assassins. Uh, Ezio has stepped up to become the leader of this new league of assassins that is forming in Rome. And that that's really the the, the point of the game is just him getting revenge and, and finally bringing an end to the quest that he thought he'd already finished in Assassin's Creed 2, but apparently something was left undone. And just looking at this trailer, I, first of all, they've made a huge leap in the graphics, at least from what I'm seeing here. This looks a lot better than Assassin's Creed 2 did. And just the drama, there's definitely more weight to this story. So I'm really eagerly anticipating this, especially when they show Leonardo da Vinci showing up again with some new blueprints. (laughs) And we see some of his war machines, you know, his tank, uh, you know, cannons. It just, it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun while still being... a suitable entry in the franchise. I can say having played the multiplayer that the look of the game is absolutely insane. And that's just the multiplayer that they had in the beta. So seeing this footage and thinking, wow, this can't actually be real. Yeah. I'm expecting something astounding from this again, based on what we saw in the multiplayer. Yeah. So, the Assassin's Creed franchise, that that term, has come to mean quite a bit more than just the games. Uh, also coming out tomorrow on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network for $2 or the fake Microsoft equivalent is what's called Assassin's Creed Ascendance. And it's an animated short that basically bridges the gap in the story from Assassin's Creed 2 to Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Now, they call it an animated short, but uh, in the trailer that they put online, to me, it looks more like a motion comic than a full animated short. I don't know. 
this 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 little piece seems a little unnecessary to me. I, I hope this isn't incredibly important amounts of story that we're going to be missing in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Maybe as a nice little bonus, okay. But it's there. It's showing Ubisoft branching out into other other medias than just the games. Nothing? No, no. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were going to go right into the comic. From I, there. I, so. I, I was if you didn't have anything to say and you don't. So I will. Yeah. No, no. It's, <laughs> again, it was a good transition you had going there and you blew it by waiting for me. Next time I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna pull a Joe from just now on. Steamrolled, yeah. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, other medias such as comic books. Again, here at BDTU, we love our comics, and this past week saw the release of Assassin's Creed: The Fall. Uh, we first talked about this comic several episodes ago. I almost called them issues. Jeez, I'm getting good at that. <laughs> Several episodes ago uh, on our lore podcast. And it really took us by surprise with the amount of care and detail they were putting into this comic. And now that I've read it, they pulled it off for me. This this comic was incredible. I mean, first of all, visually, as we discussed, they took an interesting uh, approach to the comic as far as instead of having one artist do pencils, one artist do inks, one artist do colors. Instead, they just had several artists all kind of working on it at once. And it just it looks so good. It has this uh, great graphical style to it. And it has a pretty good story as well. Uh, we meet Nikolai, the the uh, Russian assassin at the turn of the century. Pretty cool dude. And then Daniel, who's just a fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Nikolai's memories are starting to bleed over into Daniel's life. And Daniel's having a hard time coming to terms with it. Uh, maybe some sort of psychosis is developing like we're seeing with him. Uh, he's on medication. Basically, he doesn't know what's going on until the end of the comic when when he at least starts to find out that there's more to him than just being some punk kid. You know, he's part of a legacy of assassins. And the whole Nikolai scenes are, are really cool, very action oriented and not just action. Like I can actually see this playing out in a game. So that that's really cool. I, I just really like what they're doing with the franchise because let, look at, let's look at the potential there is here. Games, animation, comics, novels, hell, movies are, are definitely a possibility. Oh, Jesus, with, yeah. With a seemingly endless supply of characters. You pick any important point in the history of Earth – and you could conceivably put an Assassin's Creed story in there and have it work. This isn't like Castlevania, you know, uh, plugging things in, you know, square pegs and round holes, pound on it hard enough and it'll start to make sense. It will instantly make sense because the, the, the whole story they've set up with the pieces of Eden and how there's I forget how many. I think there's like 32 of them that have shown up basically in the hands of every powerful person throughout history. Uh Joan of Arc, Hitler, Jesus. Uh, I mean, they could even go modern day. It's, there's so many possibilities here. I'm really starting to see the genius behind the concept of this franchise. And anytime something new is spinning out of it, I'm, I'm really, really liking it. Yeah. Well, the the thing too is that everything that we're seeing so far, with the exception of perhaps this little short video. Um, is well done and is what's the word I want to use here is actually faithful to the IP. 
It is something that you can feel, yes, you could do anything with this so long as it maintains that same level of, of integrity. So like when you're mentioning movies, immediately I'm thinking, oh my God, if done well with amazing special effects, can you actually imagine any of these Assassin's Creed's done very well? Like, I, hell, I can see the cast already. So the potential is there to do anything. And then when we're seeing, see, I don't see Brotherhood as a two point whatever kind of thing. I am seeing it as its own entity and it works. It's it's done very well. And 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 what happens too is that because it is branching out, but not too far away. It's including some of the same characters, but it's still a game in and of itself. So you could play it without having played one and two and still enjoy it. Yeah, maybe not get as much out of it, of obviously, but but it's still a worthwhile purchase, which is what which was what I was afraid of when it was initially announced. I was like, all right, I don't want to play an expansion pack or as somebody called it, Assassin's Creed ODST. I, I don't want that. But once I, I started to actually look at the game and seeing the amount of detail, the amount of quality, it's worth sixty dollars. That that's what it all always boils down to me. Is it a worthwhile purchase? And at least from what we've seen and from what they've done before, I feel very confident that it will be a great game to buy. Yeah. Well, and again, if you are reading the comic as well, which I highly, highly encourage everyone to pick it up, it is really quite good in and of itself and tied into the series as well. It's it's the same as the WoW novels tying you into the game more or the Guild Wars novels now tying you more into those. Um, I, I like that. And the comics are a lot easier to pick up and a lot easier to flip through and enjoy. And the visual media actually lends itself very well, of course, too, because it's a game. So this year, between all of that sucking you into that world, you can really appreciate what they've put into Brotherhood as well. And on the, on a flip side of that, too... Because of the multiplayer that's included in Brotherhood, having played it and really enjoyed it a lot, Brotherhood is actually a very good investment. It, it, I'm, I'm really hoping it's going to do well. Yeah, so, I don't see why it would. Uh, before, before we move on, um, did you happen to check out that last page where they were giving the teasers for some of the other former Wildstorm comics that are going to be coming out from DC? No. Okay, because there's one in there that really caught my eye called World of Warcraft Curse of the Worgen. Oh, really? Yes. And they showed, you know, the, the cover for the first issue looks at least the cover art looks pretty cool. So that's, that's something I got to look for now. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Get, keep me up on that. I want to I, I definitely want to read that. Okay, let's move away from Assassin's Creed and actually touch on Terra because we've gotten some new news as well from Terra. And there's going to be more news coming down the pipe as well because the uh, there's a, a fairly big Korean um, convention that's going to be going on, G-Star 2010. And so, of course, Terra is going to be there because the game... Terror initiated or started in, in Korea. So, of course, they're going to have a, a large presence there. They are making it very clear, as we've said before, too. There's going to be some pretty heavy distinctions between what we're going to get, the Western audience, versus the Eastern. That being said, there still is a lot of things that they are going to be talking about while they're there, which are very, actually, they're, they're fairly interesting. They're talking about how there's going to be a bunch of quests, that we are going to get a lot more quests than the Eastern 
audience, which I find interesting because when we were talking to the guys, they were saying how a lot of the quest lines, yes, they go through a lot, but they still work with the Eastern um, developers and writers a lot for the quests as well. So I find it interesting that they're going to be working with them, potentially, one would assume, on quests that will mainly only be in the Western version. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. Go ahead. Go on. We'll, we'll come back to my point later. Okay. Um, we got more information in terms of the the skills and how there's going to be the skill combos. We don't want to call them chains, but combos that you can do and whatnot. We had already discussed that, so it's going to be interesting. They're going to be talking as well about the uh, the runes that they're going to be giving. Um, one of the things that I found interesting as well that they mentioned here is they're going to be talking about racial skills and how different races are going to have, they call it their own flavors. I'm doing your air quotes here. What a numb nut. <laughs> their own flavors and unique advantages. Now, this is something we'd actually talked to them about when we had them on the show as well. And at the time, and they were saying they did not want there to be any differences between the races so that the Papori would be the Lancer class to choose or, you know, the, the, the whatever that you could choose whoever you want. So this goes completely against that. That being said, I, for one, am very happy if they do that. I'll be very happy. I like racial differences as long as they're not game breaking, as long as it's not that you must be this type of race for this class. Um, I really like it. It does add a lot of flavor to the game. Well, it's something that, um, we, we never quite got to last week, but it was, it was part of our, was that last week? I think it was last week. We'll assume last week as part of our terror discussion last week with the new skills they were rolling out. They did have some of the racial skills in that article. We just didn't have the time to get to it. And a lot of them are flavor sort of things like humans. They're going to be able to craft light armor 50% faster. Oh, yeah. It, from what I saw, nothing that's really going to weigh down the game. Like there's, there is no will of the forsaken in Terra. Like there are some pretty cool stuff like Amani have some sort of like an ardent defender sort of p passive, but it's nothing that's going to make the Amani that much better than any other Lancer class or Lancer race. Okay. Actually, I hadn't read that then. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and check that out because it, I, I would hope then that they are a little bit more powerful in terms of what the racial skills are then because i don't know i i again i like there to be some differences that it is it does let me put it this way i like that the racial skill will make a difference in battle but not necessarily be what wins you the battle yeah l looking at the list I, I looked at all of them and went okay definitely a lot of uniqueness there but there's nothing that jumped out and went oh okay i have to use this right so at at from what we've seen thus far, it seems like they're, they're walking that line. Okay. We also got more information in terms of PvP, which, I mean, was pretty much par for the course here. Nothing that uh, well, really... Well, go ahead. I, I wasn't expecting death matches. We, we, we've seen so much objective-based gameplay in PvP. I, I've never just seen one that's, you know, a team death match. Like, like out of, I like uh, that, though. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And it's something that, at least in my experience have not seen in an MMO. Well, it's it's basically arenas is all it is. Well, arena, you, you get one life. This is who can get the most kills in 10 minutes. Yeah, but, well, okay, I see what you're saying, but it's essentially the same kind of thing. Just don't die um, well, and take everybody else down. It's not necessarily team deathmatch. They said there's going to be free-for-all deathmatches yeah. as well. Oh, so that I like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
so yeah, no, there there's some some cool things there. the The guild system was fairly interesting as well too, in terms of how much the, the, the guild master is going to be able to, again, air quotes, bestow on members and whatnot based <laughs> on what the, I, <laughs> shut up. Um, the. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's very interesting. I'm assuming that based on the fact that the political system is going to mean so much in this end game that the guild system, I would assume is probably going to be as important in terms of, how much clout your guild has and how much influence your guild leader will have or guild master in this case. That's just my take on it, but I don't know. It would make sense. And, and, and of course, tying into the PVP system as well, because if you want your guild to grow powerful and have some political influence, you do have to perform on the battlefield. I think all the various non combat, like, well, I don't want to say non combat, but the non PVE elements of the game, are really kind of interrelating together and it's it's kind of building each one builds on the other it's it seems pretty cool the way they're designing it i i will agree everything right now is that you can see the interlocking gears however the only thing that's going to be the wrench in those gears is if there's not enough content as well because this is all user generated stuff that we're talking about here so yeah that's all going to work together but what about the people that just want quests that just want to be able to follow epic storylines and things like that as long as they can pull that off which they keep trying to reassure us that they are as long as they can do that then yeah the the, the game will work because it'll have so many different aspects that do work together very well the the only thing that we're not seeing here is how the questing will tie into again that those gears so if the amount of quests that you're doing and and whatnot can also affect your standing in your guild or your the political system then then yeah it'll all interlock and it will be something that's different and that will function properly and make you want to keep playing yeah, I really, really looking forward to just, just, just and maybe just to seeing seeing how it works. Like, yeah, I don't even know if I, I if I want to participate in you know the political or PvP aspects at this point, but I do know I want to see how it works. Definitely. Now they did release more information too this week, as they have been about different classes and different races and things like that. And this week they talked about the Amani, the Lancer, and their achievement system. And this was interesting too because of what they're saying with the achievements and how it's it's different than what we're seeing in a lot of other games for achievements actually i'll let you tackle this incredibly different i okay sure they might have some sort of gamer score point system to go along with the achievements but there's so much more to their achievement system than just you know a flag to put up saying hey i did this Uh, what, what really gets me is we we we've asked them you know what are you doing to expand on the story outside of the already existing game elements like there's only so much you can do without just having to add in more quests or more npcs or more dialogue and they're taking a route that we've actually seen in several games uh, coming out around this time of opt-in storytelling for example if you finish this epic quest line you know, you, you rescue the princess, you, you slay the dragon, you earn the achievement. Well, what does that achievement get you? Okay, might get you a title, it might get you some points on your score, it might get you your guild some influence in the political system, but it's also going to unlock a, like a, a journal, a story journal. 
is what they're saying, where you can relive the experiences of the quest line with added lore. So for the people who just want to get the quests and kill the dragon, they can do that. For the people like us that really want to know more about the story, that's there as well. And as, as to tie that into the achievement system, I think it's brilliant. Yep. Exactly the word that I would have chosen. It's We're seeing in... Um, I mean, obviously, Microsoft knew what they were doing when they t- they, they added the achievement system and then uh, PS3 somewhat with the trophies, but the trophies just aren't the same. Um, but, I mean, look at WoW and the people that are diehard achievement fanatics. I mean, it wasn't in there all the time. For the newbies who just have started playing not that long ago, there were no achievements. Your achievements was seeing Anixia's head hanging yeah. in Stormwind. That was the achievement. Um, but now people are going out of the way to get achievements because not just for the number, but also for the titles and different things that you can unlock based on those. Well, here they're looking at that and they're just going to give you so much more to unlock. When you have, you're given the opportunity to unlock more story through your achievements, that's a real driving force to then work on that achievement, which I think is is fantastic. It's it's it is it's a brilliant game design. I love it. Yeah. So what else we got? We got more information about the Lancer, which was you know yeah okay I, I interesting, but frankly I'm not as interested in the Lancer as say Joe is. I know he was probably freaking out about this, but uh, yeah. Part for the course, different information about the Lancer. Um, the video is quite cool. Actually, I'll play it here for anybody who wants to watch and uh, go from there. But the, the then they talked about the Amani. Now, this was interesting because we've been looking at all the races that have been introduced in Terra. We've discussed this with the various races being introduced into um, Star Wars The Old Republic as well. And when there is a lot of backstory to your character you can really sink your teeth into it and hopefully then they're going to be as they're putting in a lot more quests and whatnot doing a lot of class not class sorry race specific quests as well i would love to see that so that when you are playing as this amani then you are having that rich rich backstory because i don't know about you but i loved this backstory i mean they're descendants of dragons for christ's sakes the 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 whole being enslaved by the, the the giants and then they were freed by the goddess um there's so much going on there and then when you're looking at the relationship with the the castanics because they they were helped, they were freed, not freed by, but the Kassanics helped free them. It really then creates this powerful relationship between the races as well. It, as It's so well written now. And again, I'm hoping that you really get to dive into that a lot more once you're playing the game with race specific quests and whatnot too. Yeah, just just initially, the lore of the Amani really jumped out and grabbed me, uh, not just, you know, the, the, the dragons and, you know, the, the former slaves, but how we saw, like, especially in the interview, we were talking about how they're they're currently under constant attack by I can't remember the name, uh, the, the big bad guys, you know, there's their Kyator is under a constant attack from these enemies and the Amani, you know, they're they're the Spartans of the terror world you know they're bred for battle they're the, they're the front line of defense it's what they do and it just seemed really cool and 
I'm trying to track down the source. I can't remember where I, I read it from. I think it was Twitter or, or somewhere. But I remember it was an official Terra statement. And they were talking about that each rivet holding Kyator together bears the name of a fallen Amani defender. That is such a small little nugget of lore, but it's just it's very it's, powerful. It's kind of yeah, very powerful, very mind-blowing when you th- see the dedication this race has to to their legacy and and what they hold dear. It's 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 a race that more than any other, more than the stupid freaking Papori that that really <laughs> jumps up and, and kind of grabs a hold of me. I you know what? I agree. Actually, the the more I've been reading and especially after reading some of this recently too, it is really grabbing me as potentially this being the race that I lock on to to start off with. Again, giving credit where credit is deserved as we're hearing more about a variety of the uh the different races, they are so well written that I as long as again there is enough race specific quests to play uh, through, I will want to make alts of each race just so that I can experience it. Because if this is any indication of what we can expect, oh man, I can't wait. I, I, I cannot wait to sink my teeth into it from an RP perspective, especially this is going to be an absolute blast. Um, found out a little, you mentioned Twitter. We also found out a very interesting thing from uh, the actual uh, PR, Jason. And uh, he was saying that there's not going to be any gray items, no vendor trash in Terra. Now, I confirmed this with him because I was talking and I was asking, well, yeah, but the 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 that, that vendor trash is useful for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is getting some coin in your pocket. Are you then going to be adjusting the value of other items so that they sell for more so that you can make more money or the, the, the mobs loot more? And they were saying that, yeah, the, everything you loot will be useful to someone, or if you sell it, it, you are going to get the, the equivalent of, you know, instead gathering a ton of vendor trash that is taking up useful bag space for no reason at all. I love this. That is something that's fantastic. Yeah. Th- where the hell did vendor trash come from? Because it, it, it's yeah, like like they said, it's 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 pointless. Why why not just give you more money? <laughs> I don't know. I I don't. I haven't played enough MMOs to know or where the concept originated. But I'm glad there's one that's at least getting rid of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Hats up to whoever it was from Terra who decided to get rid of this and way to think outside the box and not just do like everybody else is doing. So now let's move on to some news that I know made you very, very happy this week. <laughs> Go for it. Transformers. Yes. Okay. Anybody that's listened to any episode knows that myself, as well as Joe, as well as Tart, and anybody under the age of 90, so everybody other than Roger, loves themselves some freaking Transformers. I didn't and say I didn't like them. I even you, have the you, game. You, I just, you, you've, I haven't, you've kind of made fun of us. You've kind of looked down. You bring that on, brother. You you seriously. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I love Transformers. I loved the War for Cybertron game. As a matter of fact, I own all the action figures from the War for Cybertron (laughs) game. (laughs) So I I thought it was just a very well done game. I mean, honestly, the game itself was, let's, let's be truthful, slightly above average. But the slightly above average game with the 
franchise and all the care they put into it, the total package was so much more. And it was basically a fan's dream come true. So it was very exciting when we've now heard that in 2012, not next year, next year we're getting another crappy movie-based game. But in 2012, we are getting a sequel to War for Cybertron. And now this this is even more interesting because at the end of War for Cybertron, anybody who's who's a Transformers fan will appreciate that this is when Optimus gained the matrix of leadership and the Autobots climbed into the Ark and went on their exodus from Cybertron. Well, this leads directly into the beginning of the cartoon series where the Decepticons chased after them, shot the ship down, crash landed on Earth. Everybody's in suspended animation for a few million years and woke up on modern day Earth. So now High Moon did did play, you know, take a couple liberties with the lore, but it's not unreasonable to assume that the next War for Cybertron game would likely take place on modern day Earth, which means we would get to see full semi-truck Optimus Prime and any number of awesome, iconic Transformers things that we remember directly from the TV show in the 80s. Yeah, the the potential for the sequel is actually, I think, much cooler than the original. They can play with this and have so much fun. I want Devastator. <laughs> so, yeah, so we know that's coming out in 2012. Um, I mean, tentatively, of course. And then we've got the crappy, as you said, movie tie-in that we're looking at for next year. And there is talk as well. They were talking about the MMO will be coming to the West. However, they didn't actually give much more information than that. And by they, I mean Mark Belletcher, who is the SVP and general manager of digital media and gaming for Hasbro. So he was talking about this all during a uh, investor's call last week. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this. But uh, as with a lot of the other games that we've been hearing about, we've got one hell of a long wait ahead of us. So now closing out the show, we're going to talk about one last thing, and that is Game Informers, we mentioned this before, at least I mentioned it on the site. I don't know if I mentioned it actually on the podcast. No. Uh, Game Informers got their covers for uh, their December issue, and they're doing three different covers. However, it's all one long picture. And that picture is who they think are the top 30 characters who defined a decade. And so they got an artist to depict them all sitting down, kind of like Jesus's last supper kind of thing, (laughs) all one beside the other. And so they've got the list of the 30 characters. Now, this is not the top games. They've done that before. This year, they said the top 30 characters who defined a decade. This is important. I'm going to read you the list in the order that they put them. Actually, we'll go in reverse order. Yes. So from 30, we've got the king of all cosmos from Katamari. We've got at number 29, and this is a funny one, Bonnie McFarlane from Red Dead Redemption. We've got Wander from Shadow of Colossus, Phoenix Wright from, of course, Phoenix Wright. We've got Professor Layton at 26. We've got Cosmos. I don't know how you would say that. From Cosmos. Z- Cosmos. Okay. From Xenosago. I actually have that game. I just haven't had a chance to play it. Um, we've got Jade from Beyond Good and Evil at 24. We've got Came Argor, Argonar, Argonar, Lost Odyssey. I haven't played that either. We've got Rasputin Aquato from Psychonauts. We've got Oron from Final Fantasy X. We've got Tim from Braid at 20. We've got The Boss from Metal Gear Solid 3. Tommy Versace 
Versace Versace from Grand Theft Auto Vice City at number 18, The Elusive Man from Mass Effect 2, Elena Fisher from Uncharted at 16. We'll come back to that later (laughs) to talk about how ridiculous that is. At 15, we've got HK-47 from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. We've got Jimmy Hopkins from Bully at 14, Captain Price from Call of Duty, Commander Shepard from Mass Effect at 12, Ethan Mars from Heavy Rain, Ezio from Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, come on. You're not going to bust out the whole name No, I'm not. No, no, no. Auditori da Firenze. Oh, Whatever. my God. I, I, this is what I'm saying. Uh, we've hey, got French. Yeah. Uh, Logan McTeer from Dragon Age Origins at nine. Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. Kratos from God of War at seven. Um, uh, Alex Vance from Half-Life 2 at six. Nico from Grand Theft Auto 4 at five. Four, Master T from Halo. Three, Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Two, John Marston from... Uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption, and one is Gladys from Portal, of course. <laughs> All right. right, they get points for number one. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> it's been generally agreed that this is probably the most ridiculous <laughs> list <laughs> they could have put together for the top 30 characters who defined a decade. I mean, listen to defining a decade. Again, yes. I... I when, when you're looking at Bonnie McFarlane from Red Dead Redemption is in this list, defining a decade. Thrall is not in this list. There is not a single blizzard entity in here. Forget about Thrall or Deckard Kane. Deckard Kane, come on. Let alone everybody else in there. We don't well, have... Deckard Kane was from Diablo 1, so I... I'll I'll give them the pass on not including Kane. I don't know, dude. There's a lot of stuff that could have gone. Oh, in there, there's there's, that was, there's there's a lot of stuff that's it, and, that's stupid here. But Elena Fisher, give them a pass. Elena Fisher for Chartered. <laughs> really, were you that hard up that at 16 you had to put you know the the tag along help, and then the 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 bully kid. I mean, yeah, the, part of that ties into the 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 whole Jack Thompson fiasco making such a big deal so he defined it in that regard but not the character i mean yeah, like, there's a lot of games here that themselves are decade defining games and i actually would include bully at least somewhere on the list of of, of a game that defined the past decade but it's not the with, game it's not no, the game it's I, the I character that, that's where they went like they, okay let's come up with some really good games like heavy rain heavy rain good game who knows the character psychonauts everybody loves psychonauts Rasputin, eh. and as much as I love Beyond Good and Evil, and as much as Jade is one of my favorite game characters in recent memory, she didn't define much of anything. No. Well, again, let's let's talk about what's off the list. Well, I'm not. Hold on, no. Go on, go on. I'm sorry. There's different games too that they put someone like Mm -hmm. Dragon Age Origin. Are you really going to put Loghain in there? Because the character had, the character was huge in terms of the novels. If you read the novels, yes, especially the first one, of course. But in terms of the game, by that time, he was not nearly as important. He was, but he wasn't. I mean, you could look at the people that you actually spent so much time with in the game, like Morgan. I mean, 
that's and even then that's not someone who defined the decade but it sure as shit is better than a low game for christ's sakes and i mean as much as i love braid tim really seriously tim is in the list name. as <laughs> someone who defined a decade come on like again it's just it it doesn't fit it, it so much of this was complete and utter crap there, there are some good choices there that like uh, aside from you know the top few chief drake of course uh hk47 uh nice pick there the boss metal gear solid 3 i agree with that 110 percent. that was such a great character and a great aspect of that game they uh, they did have some positives here and like even on the website i initially pointed out like oh they have captain price instead of soak mctavish for uh modern warfare but then once i thought about it captain price is the more influential character on the game so I do give them some credit where where they did earn it. I am seeing again. It's almost as if they they decided to make this list, and then Rockstar contacted them <laughs> and said, "How much can we give you to kind of get a few more names on that list? Because we got a crap load of Rockstar games on here, and yeah, sure they were good, but." Not to this point. And again, we've got like, again, the elusive man is on there. Okay. I can see shepherd. Yes. Shepherd is important. The elusive man. Really? No, no. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't. And again, they put, they put Alex. Why not put Gordon? I know. Yes. I know he was created before, but I, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> All right. Well, there there were a couple that I can't believe were left off the list. Now, of course, there's ones I would have liked to have seen, like Claptrap, or that's on my Rio list Mizuki. right here. I've yeah, got, or, I've got. <laughs> Claptrap is there. That that <laughs> Claptrap should have been on there. Or Rio Hazuki from Shenmue. But two that I can't believe were left off this list. First of all, J.C. Denton from Deus Ex. Yes, actually, I was thinking of that as well. And secondly, especially since this is Game Informer, not exactly known for much of anything worth being known for, but at least knowing what's really popular, how the hell do they leave Dante off the list? There would be no God of War without Devil May Cry. There would be no Kratos without Dante. Yeah. I also had Sackboy, <laughs> which <laughs> would have made, yeah. made a lot more sense than Bonnie McFarlane. And I also had Ellis from Left 4 Dead, just because... He would be a better pick than Elena. Because uh, I'm looking at some of these and I'm going, Elena? Jesus Christ, why not put Ellis? Hey, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> but, like, there's a lot of them here that I I was really quite disappointed with this list. I It, it just honestly did not make sense. Some of them. I agree with, I agree with Gladys, for sure. And, and just looking at the top ones, um, Master Chief, I never played any of them. The, the, the Halo games, although my son would probably agree because my son loves them and he just finished Reach actually this weekend. Uh, Nathan Drake makes sense to me too because he's a great character that's very well written, so it, it fits in there. And as much as I like John Marston though, I don't think that I would have given him the second spot. I Yeah. It, 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 yeah, you can't it's, define I, that much in six months. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it's a great character, but dude, like, I'm sorry, it just... You just came out, <laughs> like, give it some time. I would have put Kratos a lot higher than him on the list. 
So we're actually going to be working on our own list. It's going to be on the forums. So for anybody listening, you're going to want to hit up the forums at the site and look for it. I'm going to put it in there and I'll make sure that it's nice and bright and caps letter so that everybody can work on a list that we're just going to publish at the end of the year so that we can all appreciate us being smarter than them. And that's not, uh, that's not much of an yeah. accomplishment. Have you, have you spoken to any of our listeners? No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, Aww. we're going to wrap up the show. I have faith that our yeah. listeners are better than the publishers <laughs> of Game Informer. And that's going to wrap up the show for tonight. Thanks for everybody who joined us live in the chat room. Make sure to check out the site, of course, at bowdowntous.com. Check out the store where we have t-shirts and mugs and bags and you name it. It helps support the site and we do appreciate it. Same as any links that you see that are directed towards Amazon. So if you can, purchase your games via those links to help us out. Make sure to check us out on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We love those. And we'll talk to you guys next week. get you one of those little chairs no shut up i need an elevator dude that's what i need <laughs> they have we saw a program on tv and uh i can't remember what it was on but they were talking about different stuff like that and they had elevators and but they were um the the ones that used um suction and whatnot air pressure hmm. to move them and instead of versus gears and everything it was awesome and i thought i want That'd be too damn cool. Very Star Trekky kind of. Go up. It'd be great. Speaking of reading it all, I feel at this point like I'm in a test of wills with my Kindle because I'm determined to finish Storm Rage. Okay. <laughs> I stopped caring about 150 pages ago. Really? <laughs> yes. I'm just reading it to read it so that I can move on to the shattering. I understand Malfurion is a really powerful character, but over the last, I'd say, 60 or so pages, he's been at the absolute extent of his abilities and so exhausted that he can't do anything else, and yet he summons a fucking hurricane. <laughs> it's like, if, if you're going to talk about how tired your character is, let them be tired, or okay, they can have one, they can have a second wind, not a fifth wind. <laughs> Constant professional. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, you're not referring to one of us. Don't come back to me.